On your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the third episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we catch up with the football operations manager for Sandford Women's, Tom Hurley. Moderator at the online forum, bigfooty.com, Jason Lassie. Irish footballer, Clara Fitzpatrick. Captain of the Fijian women's team, Satiri Tadrao. And Girls Play Footy Radio's Christy Williams. All of that coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Peter Holden and welcome to the third edition of the third season of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast and a reminder as always with this podcast you can download it for free via iTunes or via SoundCloud and you can also catch it on your radio if you're in Melbourne just get your digital radio out and tune to RSN Carnival Wednesdays after 6pm following the Taz Racing Talk program you can hear the radio edition of Girls Play Footy. Let's get into the first of our interviews. Now, similar to AFLW, Sandfowl Women's is kicking off this weekend. It is a four-team competition using some of the traditional Sandfowl men's clubs, and their women's sides are Norwood, North Adelaide, Glenelg, and West Adelaide. They'll be playing in a round-robin competition. They'll play each other twice with a grand final in April. We've got on the line the Football Operations Manager for Sandfowl Women's, Tom Hurley, to talk all about the competition, which kicks off Friday, February 17th at the parade in Norwood. Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Now, we know players get very nervous before round one. How about you as an administrator starting this brand new competition? I wouldn't say nervous, but I'd say more so excited. The office has got a lot of energy, um, not just around female footy, but that's certainly a focus at the moment for us, um, given that we launch on Friday night. Um, It's something completely new. Um, It's something we haven't had uh, at our clubs um, at sample level. So I think excitement would be the word. Certainly there's going to be a lot happening on Friday night, but um, we've got everything ticked off. I guess if we go back a little bit uh, for the Sandford clubs, I guess the genesis of this started about a year or two ago, didn't it, with the under-14s and under-16s girls competitions? That's correct, Peter. So we started there in terms of bringing some talent through our clubs and all clubs are involved in that um, competition, embraced it. Um, it was good to see some young girls in sample colours, um, and that's probably the first step. And this is the second step of uh, developing that talent pathway for female football in South Australia, to give them the opportunity to be the best player they can be. Now, there's many things which uh, mimic the AFLW. First of all, uh, you had the tender process uh, where I believe a number of clubs uh, put their applications forward and there were four lucky winners in the end. There were, that's right. So, in the end, um, four was the number that we set uh, at the commencement of the, the process and uh, six clubs put in an application. There were two clubs that, because of various reasons, being mainly focused on facility and resources, did not to make an application in the, in the inaugural year. Um, the licence opportunity wasn't offered to either of the two AFL teams to put in a reserves team in the Sanford women's competition, so we stuck with the, the traditional Sanford clubs and... Uh, the four clubs that were lucky enough to be chosen were Glenelg, North Adelaide, Norwood and West Adelaide. And they all um, need to be commended for their applications as well as the two clubs that were unlucky to miss out in Centrals and South Adelaide. Now, this season is starting about two weeks later than where the AFLW kicked off. When did the girls start pre-season training for the Sandfile Women's League? Officially, a lot of the girls uh, would have started mid-January, um, but I think unofficially... Uh, when they were notified that they were part of the competition, which was just before Christmas, uh, the coaches would have handed them out a, 
a pre-season program across the Christmas break. And um, having seen and caught up with a number of the players, um, they're certainly very keen. And I would imagine that um, although official training started mid-January, probably unofficial training started uh, pretty much straight away. Now, with the squads that they've managed to pull together for these four sides, Glenelg, North Adelaide, Norwood and West Adelaide, what system did you use? Did you go for a draft? Did you go for a zoning process, random allocation? What did you decide on in the end? I guess the first priority is we want to have an even distribution of talent across those four teams. So we don't want to have uneven matches. We want to have fan engagement in um, high-quality matches, basically. So that was our first priority, to make sure that all teams had an even distribution of talent. We didn't go down the draft process. What we did is... Um, using our female talent manager, she identified working with a few other groups, um, a talent list, which she then distributed to each club. And I guess in a nutshell, that can be broken up into three key groups. Uh, the first is the AFL contracted talent, um, and they will be very unlikely to participate at Sample women's level, but they are assigned to each Sample club. The next level down was those players that are trained on players at the Adelaide Football Club women's team. And they were evenly distributed again amongst the clubs. And then the third lot of players is a larger group, the contingent that will be making up the majority of each sample team. And um, they mainly came from the amateur football league, but also other other talent pathways. Um, and they've been assigned equally to the team. We hope we've got a good spread. Um, certainly seems to be, having spoken to a number of the coaches and football managers at each club, um, a good level of talent on, on the training track. Uh, is there a minimum age level to participate in this competition? There is. It's a minimum age of uh, 15, and uh, that's to bear in mind player welfare um, and to ensure that also that we've got some talent coming through that haven't been assigned to clubs that we can assess uh, internally before uh, we move forward with that process. So there is a minimum age, but um, it would be good to see uh, a lot of young talent, but also some old talent out there, some some ladies that probably played football for a long time, but not at this level that will get an opportunity to do so. Now, in Victoria, of course, we're used to uh, the VFL women's competition where there was uh, 25-minute straight quarters, uh, 18 aside, four on the bench. The AFLW, completely different, uh, 15 minutes plus time on, 16 on the ground, six on the bench. What rules have you decided to go for for Sanford women's? It's quite uh, funny, isn't it, Peter? It's one of the unique things about football across South Australia. There seems to be different match times for all sorts of different grades, and uh, we've gone slightly different than the AFL women's league. We've opted for... 20-minute flat quarters with no time on, so 80 minutes of match time. And I think that will end up being very similar to what the length of game has been at um, AFL women's level. The benefit of that, it gives us some um, pure times, ones where we know because we're playing double headers, matches will finish at certain times. So it gives us some structure. And I'm reading as well that uh, you've got 16 on the field as well, like AFLW, but a, a smaller interchange of four. That's right, Peter. So we've gone with forward to condense the talent um, to ensure that all the players are playing will be playing at a high level. Um, we'll explore and monitor that as the season goes by. It's certainly not locked in stone for future years, but that's a, the number that we thought was most appropriate for the first year. And also, you've scheduled your games to be uh, double-headers from uh, now through to uh, Saturday, March uh, 25th, very similar to what Icon Park was last Saturday with the uh, Carlton GWS and, and Collingwood uh, Melbourne. Will they also be free to the public to attend? Excitingly, it is free entry for the public, so it's a great opportunity for families, um, particularly young families, to get out and see some um, female football at local Sandville venues, and they'll be played 
in the mine around at Norwood Oval and at West Adelaide's home ground at City Mazda Stadium. So both are under light venues um, and the majority of the matches will be played um, through that twilight nighttime fixture. So it's, it's a great time of year to get out at that, at that period of the night and see some football. And just by absolute pure luck, the Adelaide Crows uh, women's side is sitting on top of the table 2-0. They're going into this weekend with that big top-of-the-table clash with Carlton. So there's a lot of talk about women's football as well. Has that parlayed into the Sandfall? That's generated media interest, has it, in the Sandfall women's competition locally? It certainly has. The energy in and around female football, as you're well aware, is at uh, all-time high. And Adelaide's probably uh, at the peak of that, given the success or the early success of their AFL women's side so the energy um, around the whole female movement is significant we're certainly piggybacking off that um, looking to make our own mark but um, embracing that excitement that surrounds the whole uh, concept of women's football. And I should also quickly make note, uh, Thibodeau Oval on uh, Sunday morning, that game between the Crows and uh, Carlton. But I believe there's also like a a footy family day or footy tryout day happening uh, beforehand at the ground. There's significant engagement going on with the uh, with the community in terms of engaging young female talent in the game, and that's what a lot of our development staff are looking to do across the next five or six weeks is to ensure that we get out to as many uh, young female girls that are keen to play the game and encourage them to be participants. Last year we saw a sixty percent increase in female participation, and would expect similar numbers in 2017. And also, most importantly, for those uh, living outside of Adelaide, uh, obviously we've got a lot of listeners uh, online, um, is that you're also streaming these games, these double-headers as well. Yeah, it's a really exciting new opportunity for us is to stream live games with commentary and live stats through Champion Data. So um, it'll be the first time we've done that for a consistent period of time in a sample competition. So for all those fans out in the country, I encourage you to jump online onto the sample website um, and have a look. Uh, you can certainly stream in very easily. All the live stats will be on the sample app. So it's very uh, social media media friendly and that's the, the way we'd, we'd like to encourage people to participate if they can't get their lives. So certainly exciting for people and exciting for the players to see that, that progression. And Tom, before I let you go, I do have to put the acid on though. Who's your tip for the inaugural Sample Women's Flag? My early tip would be Norwood, um, but I think it's going to be even a very, very even competition. I'm a, I'm a stern fan at heart, so um, I've had to pick uh, a club outside my allegiance, but I'd be tipping Norwood. Um, but I think it's going to be uh, a great competition, and, and as you've seen, AFL women's level, it's, uh, it's hard to predict uh, what's going to happen. Tom, thank you very much for your time and all the very best for the Sandfell Women's Competition kicking off this Friday, February 17 at the Parade, otherwise known as Cooper Stadium in Norwood. 6pm local time for Norwood versus North Adelaide. 8.10pm local time for Glenelg versus West Adelaide. All that live on the Sandfell website. Now, as we know, social media has a big impact on the sports world. It gives it that extra little bit of promotion beyond TV, radio and newspaper. You jump on Twitter and you'll see a hashtag, for example, AFLW Pies D's for the Collingwood versus Demons game last Saturday. You see people interacting on Facebook and, of course, the most popular of all online forums that you find on the web. One of the biggest is Bigfooty.com with 92,000 members talking 
talking about footy, in particular AFL. And most of it has always been on the men's competition with very little regard for women's football until this year when AFLW got underway. And now we see people talking about women's footy, not unfortunately in a derogative term like we do see sometimes. Now people are actually talking about it on a positive front, dissecting it the same way they would men's footy. To give us an insight into the online forums, I've got on the line a moderator from the bigfooty.com website. His name is Jason Lacey. Jason, thank you very much for joining us. And tell us, how did you get involved, first of all, as a moderator at bigfooty.com uh, a couple of years ago they put a call out for people that had, uh, were interested in moderating and uh, I'd, I'd done some work uh, through um, the footy industry stuff stats and things like that that uh, people had taken a shine to and uh, the moderating team uh, the, the administration team decided that was good enough and I've done it ever since uh, just to give everyone a picture, for those who, for some reason, have never stumbled upon Bigfooty, just exactly how big are the forums there? Uh, they're huge. They are by far, I believe, they outrate um, by some of the larger news, uh, sports news websites for uh, for hits and things like that. So they are fairly extensive. There's something like 100,000 active members, I think, possibly more. Um, I don't have those stats exactly to hand. 100,000 uh, 100, is... 92,000 members as of, as of the time we're speaking here. That's an extraordinary number. And, of course, again, painting the picture for everyone, that is uh, sub-forums for every club, uh, sub-forums for uh, local league competitions, even debate about umpires, the media, sledging section called Bay 13. So it's massive. But you remember going back about a year or two, there was just the women's footy sub-forum. Can you talk about what life was in that sub-forum and moderating that before this AFLW competition? Yeah, look, prior to, prior to the launch announcements for the AFLW season, the, the women's forum was a rarely visited sub-forum that we had located way down like below regional footy, below like uh, state leagues, everything. Like, it, was, it was way down way down the list of forums that people would visit. Hardly any visitors. Uh, we had a, a moderator there who I think got bored to death or something. So uh, when the announcement was made, I asked the administrators if we could uh, move it up so it was more visible. And I took over more or less moderating that for Bigfoot. And as a result of that, we've seen a massive increase in, uh, since, since the announcement and the, and the teams and the season starting, just an exponential increase in uh, interest and posting and discussion on, on, on that matter. And isn't that just, I guess, one part of the battle of trying to uh, get women's footy into the mainstream media is online. It's uh, that social media, isn't it? Trying to get the conversation going and get people interested in talking about football itself being played by women. Yeah, absolutely. It's a constructive discussion forum. So you're coming on, you want people to be involved and be active, not just on their club forums, but in football in general. So when I talk about AFL women's football, these are not counting the threads the numerous feeds and the sub-forums that the club boards have created for themselves as well. So a lot of those have gone up. The Carlton one has a lot of interest in it. Uh, the Collingwood one has a lot of interest in it, or maybe a little bit less now that their con system loses. But, um, you know, there's a lot of interest in women's footy that has come up as a result of this, that we are seeing a definitive result on, uh, on big footy itself. And when we do 
say, Collingwood consistent losers, I do need to point out that Jason is a Carlton supporter. So uh, any chance for a little clip on the Magpies, I guess, is a knee-jerk reaction. Um, okay, I'm enjoying it, but it is, it is good. <laughs> now, um, and the one thing in those uh, clubs uh, sub forums as well um, is they've got not only just like game day threads, which they're now treating it like the men's match, but they're also treating it in a way as the men's of when these women were recruited, it was even threads for welcome to Collingwood or welcome to Carlton, such and such player. Each individual player had their own thread and a little bit about them. One of the things I wanted to do as a mod uh, on before was to make sure that we gave the same level of respect to the women's games that we did for the uh, to the men's game. And so for the club forum, they did the same thing, um, not necessarily following my lead. They had their own minds, obviously, but... Uh, and so a lot, some, some of the clubs have formed their own sub-forums and they've got the same player welcome threads and the same, you know, the same discussions that they would have had exactly as if they were a male uh, athlete. So there's a, what we've done is we've got, for every, for every match now, there's a preview thread, there's an autopsy thread, there's, there's a discussion thread on the, week's, uh, on the week's games, exactly what we would have done if it was an AFL season. And I guess one thing that comes along with forums, like anything, there always will be negative comments, and that's male or female, uh, particularly the extra challenges with female football because some believe it shouldn't happen. There's the dinosaurs out there. How, how do you control as a moderator that fine balance of criticism of the female game, which you could dub fair, to those which are just disparaging, you know, just having a go at women and suggesting they should be running around in lingerie, etc.? I've had a little bit, I've copped a little bit of flack over this in the last couple of days, actually, because this is more or less my alley week, as it were. Um, but look, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of talk in the first week that we let go because it was a new, it was a new thing, and we we couldn't stop the criticism altogether. And it was like women shouldn't be playing this, and skills, uh, you know, not up to scratch, and things like people basically speaking a lot of from what they saw without really. Uh, having a bit of an in-depth discussion as to why it could have been that way. And so, at Big Footy, we, we like to let people, you know, air their grievances, but what we didn't want is for them to continue riding that horse into the ground week after week after week. So we made a conscious decision to uh, stop that after the first week. So we took it out of our game day threads and our autopsy threads and we said, look, you've had your piece on this. We're not going to let you contaminate every week and come back in and, and, and just run the league into the ground. It's just... These people don't deserve that, and uh, we, we, you know, we've got to show them some respect. For all that, I must say it is better than some of the comments I've received on YouTube, uh, where I had an index discussion with a man who's convinced that Jesus uh, forbids women from paying, uh, playing football, and the Bible specifically forbids women to act like men or something. And so that was that was a riveting discussion. Oh dear, the deep dark places of the internet indeed. Um, let's look on the positive note. Uh, plenty of threads happening in the Women's Footy Forum. That, of course, if you go on bigfooty.com, you click on Australian Football League and then at the top there's a Women's Footy Sub Forum. Can you tell me some of the hot issues that are being talked about at the moment, some of the threads you've got going? Yeah, look, there's some discussions about whether Women's Footy is a success. Um, and that's probably the biggest one at the moment. And I mean, that's going to be up for arms, you know, up for discussion pretty much for the whole season. There's no definitive answer to that in anyone's, in anyone, no, no one is specifically right about it at the moment. We won't really know that for some time to come. The other discussions underway at the moment, uh, we, we've got a fairly in-depth discussion going on about, uh, well, the player of the year voting is underway at the moment. Um, so 
basically anyone can go on to big footy and and, vote and you know, give their three two and one for any match they want or the matches that they want. So we're finding that a lot of people are watching more than one match over the weekend, which is good. Um, we've had some discussions about what what, what clubs are going to do when uh, you know, what, what clubs have missed out. Where, 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 what are they looking at? Are they ever going to get in? What do they have to do to get in? Uh, surprisingly, there's a lot of Geelong uh, whinging at the moment. But uh, and then of course we've got our summary threads where we've put all the information that's come up over the last six to eight months about the league and where it's going and what the plans are and all that sort of thing as well. We're tracking sponsor announcements. Uh, we're tracking local footy as well, not just the AFL. Uh, so we're, we're tracking developments, and player announcements, and participation agreements, and things like that. Uh, so we're tracking a lot of stuff, and also code. Uh, we're looking at what we call code wars, where uh, the information coming through from the BDL and netball and and what they're doing as well, so we can put what we're doing into context with uh, what the other codes are doing as well. And just before we let you go, as we mentioned earlier, you're a Carlton supporter, but we should also mention that you're in Adelaide, so it's Nirvana for you this weekend when it comes to women's footy. The only women's game on a Sunday, and just by luck, we've got an early top two battle between Carlton and Adelaide at Thebiton Oval. It's, a, it's an outstanding thing, not just because Carlton very rarely travel to Adelaide. In fact, we've got our first game in Adelaide in what, four years, I think. So it, it's, a, it's an outstanding uh, clash of top two, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what uh, Brianna Davey, and, who didn't get suspended this week, thankfully, can do against the Crows. That's Jason Lacey, one of the moderators at Bigfooty.com's forums. You may recall a couple of weeks ago we spoke to Canadian Valerie Moreau about her move down under to try her hand at Aussie Rules football and hopefully be drafted into AFLW for the 2018 season. Another woman that's trying her hand at footy down under after moving from overseas is Clara Fitzpatrick, an Irish woman. Now, there already is one Irish player in the AFL women's competition. That is Laura Jurea, and she's playing out of Melbourne. And Clara is going to be pulling on the boots for Laura's VFL women's club, Diamond Creek, in the 2017 VFL women's season. We spoke to her to ask about why did she make the move down under to try Aussie Rules football, considering she only took it up middle of last year. Clara, thank you very much for joining us on the line. Uh, let's first of all go to your other sporting background. You were a ladies Gaelic footballer. Um, how long had you been playing Gaelic football? How did you originally get into it? Oh, that began since I was, uh, oh jeez, um, probably about 10 or 11. Um, basically, yeah, just um, got involved with Gaelic football and I've uh, been playing ever since. So probably been playing with 15 or 16 years now and um, yeah, really and they obviously love the sport, um, yeah. And you're a star footballer in the midfield for uh, for County Down. Uh, talk us through uh, Gaelic football in Ireland, particularly at the women's level. How popular is it? If I guess you compare it to women's football here in Australia. Um, it's probably on, on the same level as the uh, Aussie rules over here. Um, it's probably our most popular sport back home. Um, and yeah, pretty, um, especially where I come from as well. Um, yeah, just big into it. Just to give an insight before we talk about traditional um, Aussie rules training, what's the type of training that goes into playing ladies Gaelic football, considering that there's a lot more running in your game? Yeah, so it generally depends on positioning. So obviously we have the, um, the defenders, the midfielders and the forwards. Generally, um, you would expect the midfielders to do more running, but obviously there is a lot of running throughout, basically from the back line right up to the forward line um, and it is a mixture of endurance and agility running 
Um, but yeah, a lot of our training would be running based. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So you began your journey with the Irish Banshees in uh, June of 2016. Uh, what got you interested, involved and wanting to play Aussie Rules football? Um, so yeah, it was a bit random. Actually, one of the girls I used to play football with in, in university, um, I kind of posted it up and just said, basically an introduction uh, to AFL um, back home, you know, just to try and um, promote the sport a wee bit more. Um, and she kind of suggested a few people to get involved. So I just thought, you know, it was off one Saturday, why not take a wee trip up? Um, and then from there, really, uh, I loved it. It was very, very similar to Gaelic football. Uh, a lot of fitness, a lot of running, um, a lot of uh, skills transferred over. Um, and yes, yeah, since then, I haven't really looked back. Really, really loving the sport. Of course, the legend that was Jim Stein's big name in Ireland, of course, through uh, his family name, the Stein's family through Gaelic football, and of course, we played Aussie rules here uh, in Australia. Was his profile um, able to highlight AFL more back in Ireland? And for that, even as a young girl, did you have an, an idea of Aussie rules football back then? Um, to be honest, I didn't know a massive lot about Aussie rules. Um, there was talk of kind of a few of the fellas had been recruited over or drafted over um, to a few of the clubs over in Australia. Um, but other than that, I didn't really know much about the sport itself. Um, I went to watch um, Ireland and um, Australia obviously played in the Aussie Rules international games um, a few times back home and I went to see one of them. And again, it was a mixture of the Gaelic and the Aussie Rules. So that was really probably the first kind of insight I got to the game. Um, but other than that, apart from last, you know, obviously over the last year, I haven't, I haven't really known too much about that before now. And how did you find your first training session of Aussie Rules football in Ireland? Uh, having to, I guess, learn the new ball, learning the bouncing of uh, the new ball, and as well, uh, and as well, the tackling that obviously isn't involved in Gaelic. Yes, uh, it was a wee bit different. Even uh, yeah, the style of kicking is a lot different. Um, yeah, so basically it was just like relearning the new skill of, you know, trying to break down the kick the kick passing and the, the hand passing. But, um, yeah, no, I'm kind of still learning. I am probably a far, good bit off from being uh, perfect at it. But, um, yeah, still working on it. And uh, you were lucky enough uh, two months later to be picked as part of the Irish Banshees team that went over and played in the AFL European Championships. Were you shocked that just, you know, two months since you started training for this game that you're already representing a country? Yeah, that was uh, was quite surprising actually um, but it was a really good experience with a really good bunch of girls um, and it really really good at actually learning more about the game and actually you know because obviously a lot of, you know game time there's a lot of game time over there so it was good to actually uh, bring on the skills a wee bit more and um, a chance to learn more about the game which is good really enjoyed it. And, of course, in November, you headed to Melbourne. What, what made the decision for you in your head to say, I'm coming down under? Um, well, actually, um, probably for the last uh, two or three years, I was kind of always thinking in my head, I was going to go to Australia, I was going to go to Australia at some stage. Um, and then I finally I broke the tickets and was like, right, I'm going to go. And it was just really luck how it all happened that I did start up the Aussie Rules last year. Um, but obviously... Uh, the first thing I looked into whenever I got over here was you know starting up a Gaelic club and starting up an Aussie Rules club, and um, yeah, just getting sort of check started with them now. Obviously, the season just kind of well, it's not just taken off yet, but we're uh, yeah pre-season training, so yeah, enjoying it so far. 
Have you already picked your club that you're going to be playing with in Melbourne, both obviously in Gaelic football, but most importantly uh, in women's football here? Um, yes, well, I've uh, picked well the Gaelic club. Yeah, we've had a few um, a few matches so far in a few kind of nine aside tournaments or whatever. Um, so we've been doing a lot of training with them this month. Um, and then Aussie Rules, I'm kind of torn between two at the minute. But um, I think I'm going to sway towards one more than the other. Um, yeah, just because there'll be no Diamond Creek football club. The Diamond Creek Football Club already has one famous Irish woman there in uh, yeah. Laura Jurea, who, of course, is uh, playing for Melbourne in the AFL women's competition. Uh, was yeah. it an easier decision to try and pick Diamond Creek, knowing that Laura's already there? It was, yeah. I think that's what kind of swayed the decision. Um, she had kind of suggested the club, and I didn't know any, any other clubs around the region. Um, so I did, I did train a few sessions with them uh, pre-season there. Um, and it's just obviously there... They're up north of the city, and unfortunately where I'm living now, it's uh, south of the city. So it's a wee bit, wee bit more travel-wise, but um, yeah, um, that's kind of the club, yeah, who kind of went with first, so uh, yeah, I'm looking to stick with them. Uh, well, Laura's famous for having the nickname Irish at Diamond Creek, so now with two Irish women there, have they figured out how to solve the problem? <laughs> uh, not just yet. I'm going to have to come and give me a different nickname or something, but uh, yeah. Uh, they had told me that he was he's the original Irish, so I would say I'll probably stick with her. <laughs> <laughs> and, and fair enough. Um, you must be champing at the bit to be able to play your first competitive game, but there's, uh, what, three months to wait now until you play. So what's what's the training sessions been like for you and, I guess, inter-club inter scratch matches? How are you enjoying it? Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, like I said, I was... I was at a few um, pre-season sessions there just in December time um, and then we were kind of off for a bit um, in January and we were just kind of getting kick-started at the start of February there but I have been I've been training with the Gaelic so I have um, so I'll probably look to do one day of each training um, just probably coming up in the next few months just to kind of split myself between the two sports um, and yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the first competitive game anyway, so it should be fun. <laughs> As we know, you were a midfielder in uh, Gaelic football. Have you figured out what pos- what position yet suits you best in Aussie rules? Um, well, I was <laughs> placed in the ruck, <laughs> so yeah, I was kind of in around that midfield section again. Um, it seems to be where I'm kind of well used to. Um, you know, just kind of a bit more freedom around that area. You can kind of go where you want. Um, You've got a wee bit of um, attacking and defending, which kind of suits my game a lot. Um, so I think that's maybe <laughs> where I'll go. There's a place available, but um, we'll see how it uh, pans out over the season. And how long do you hope to be out here in Australia for? Um, so the plan initially was to come out here for a year um, and basically see how I get on in Melbourne, see if I like it, and um, if by the end of the year I do, uh, I'll probably probably look to stay on for a few years anyway. Um, but basically, yeah, I've given myself a year to see what I think of it and then I kind of make my decision then towards the end of the year. That's the plan, anyway. Well, a couple of things could help make the decision for you to stay a little bit longer. Of course, the first thing coming up naturally is in August, uh, where IC17 is on. Um, Ireland do feel aside the women's division. It's the Banshees, which, of course, you played for in the uh, European uh, Championships. Uh, is your yeah. name firmly in for IC17, or is the selection still to be done for that team? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. 
Um, well, the selection still has to be done, so we'll just uh, yeah, just have to wait and see. Um, obviously, I think they have a they can take a, ting- a continuum from back home, and then um, they have a selection out here. So I think they have a pretty good selection out here to pick from as well. So it's it'll be tough enough competition, but um, yeah, we'll just wait and see. Not, probably won't be long uh, coming around either. So. If your football improves over this year, are you tempted to throw your hat in the ring and nominate for the AFL Women's Draft in October? Um, well, I'm not too sure. I'd probably have to see if um, just what the standard is. So probably um, get a few games over the first and then see kind of where I would be kind of coming in. But um, I suppose because I'm quite new to the game, I'm not too sure. I might be, you know, might be a good bit off. But uh, yeah, we'll just kind of play it by ear over the course of the year and go from there. Well, Clara, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best in your time out here in Australia playing with Diamond Creek and uh, hopefully you'll uh, perform very well and uh, be noticed by the recruiters, not only obviously for the Ireland team for IC17, but perhaps maybe for the AFL Women's Competition next year. No worries, Peter. Thanks very much for having me. Now, as alluded to in that interview, the AFL International Cup 2017 is on August 5 to August 19 this year. It runs for two weeks. Uh, every side should be having about five matches in the women's division. Uh, you obviously know that the European Crusaders are coming, Canada, the USA and Ireland, through various interviews that we've done. One team that will be making a return is Fiji. They played in the 2014 version of the International Cup in which they won two games. They beat Tonga and the USA Liberty, which is the USA's uh, reserves team, so to speak. And I've got on the line their captain in Satiri Tudro. Satiri, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. Uh, first of all, before we talk about the 2017 International Cup, how did you find the experience playing in 2014's version of the International Cup for Fiji? Uh, first of all, I was a young player then and it was a great uh, opportunity. Uh, it was um, a good exposure for the girls um, since it's the first women's team. Uh, at the same time, it was a really um, new sport for especially the girls. And the boys have been uh, playing uh, the sport for quite a while. But for the girls, just the exposure of it, uh, 2014 is quite an experience. And the girls learned a lot from uh, just the unique side of the game. And, yeah, it's amazing how this game can, you know, um, use uh, all sports in its uh, in so many ways, like volleyball, basketball, rugby, netball, all in one. It's just flexible and it's unique. Yeah. And 2014 was, the girls took that opportunity as an exposure. And yeah, I was honored as a young member to, um, to be part of uh, that team and at the same time given the opportunity to lead and become captain. Yeah. What was the background of the majority of the players in that team? Were a lot coming from a rugby background? Yeah. A lot of uh, those team members were rugby, uh, playing rugby and netball, especially netball and volleyball. Uh, Those are three dominant sports around here. And how much time did you have to play Aussie rules together and train before you took part in that first tournament in 2014? So uh, we usually play um, six 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 months before um, before the game. We train together six months before uh, in 2014. But 
we usually um, train with the boys and do skills with the boys. Yeah, it's six months before um, IC14. So most girls were really new to the game. Um, six months, we had the chance to train together before IC14. How is that feeling to train together for only six months, but still to be able to walk away with two wins, uh, defeating Tonga and defeating the USA Liberty? Um, it, it was incredible, though. Um, we were even... Well, the girls were were just... Uh, well, they, we actually trained because uh, we find... Or we all find AFL. It was a fun game. It was so fun and flexible. And uh, at the same time, it brings a lot of girls uh, together with different knowledge in sports. Um, two wins... That was amazing for us. It was a great achievement. And we wouldn't find that as a fluke, but something that we see, um, yeah, it was really a great achievement for us to have those two wins. Um, we were actually uh, satisfied with that result as a starter. Yeah. And since then, of course, building to this year where there'll be uh, International Cup 2017, how's the development of women's football been like in the last two and a half to three years? It was, well, the interest was amazing for the, uh, after 2014. Um, we were able to form uh, two women's team, 18 aside, and we usually play nines um, every Saturday alongside the boys, but the boys play full sets of uh, teams. Um, and every Saturday in 2015, we usually we go through the season. We went through the season, and then in 2016, the girls kind of quietened down with different sports they committed to. There were a lot of other sports that the girls were committed to, and now in 2016, the girls came back together with a lot more new girls and a lot more interest. And right now, we're training with more than 35 girls preparing for IC17, um, starting from last year, the end of last year and for the past years, uh, since 2014, yeah. Have you been able to get up a competition again of having those two sides regularly play each other to test each other out? Yeah, we've been... uh, So our season for, for, for this year is going to start soon, in Feb, and the girls are going to form... um, hopefully uh, four teams from different, it gets to show uh, the interest, apart from the teams that they're training to IC17, there are teams from every uh, areas around Suva, there are, there are teams from Rewanga, which is one suburb, and in uh, Nosori area, which is another suburb, so we're expecting four girls team um, playing nine aside um, this uh, season, uh, so yeah, expecting a, a match and we're actually plan, planning a match which is confirmed throughout this season before IC17. And of course at the moment there's the AFL women's competition happening. We're a couple of weeks into it. Uh, the great thing about it, it's being streamed overseas for free online. Have any of the girls been watching these games online, having a look at how the AFL women's are going and, and trying to look at what they're doing and trying to put that into practice in Fiji? Definitely a lot, a lot. I was surprised with a lot of girls, you know, coming in for training and they just asking 
hey, have you watched, you know, the Sunday games? Uh, hey, um, Carlton went against the Bulldogs and the Lions is winning. And, you know, girls were up to date with either on Facebook and here in Fiji, the internet connection is not that good with live stream. So we usually um, update ourselves on Facebook and we try to go on live stream, but we get good connection from certain areas only, but not all around Fiji. Um, so, yeah, the girls were well updated with what's going on right now um, with the international women's uh, competition. And they're so looking forward with the opportunities and the openings that they're going to, we're going to receive in IC17 and indicates the kind of recognition that the girls were given right now in the international tournament. It's just amazing. And it has break this, I had to be honest, um, the international tournament for AFL right now in Australia has impacted a lot around the world, especially I see it in Fiji. There's just the stigma of um, the stereotype of the fact that this is a men's game. Now the boys in our team, they started to respect the girls uh, more and seeing, you know, encourage the girls that uh, for enduring training and coming in for skills and all just because they know They've seen uh, it has also changed the, bo uh, the boys' um, way of encouragement to girls in our teams right now. So boys are well updated too with the international games uh, that is going right now with the women in Australia. Yeah. That is fantastic to hear. Now, as we said, IC17 starts on August 5th. Is there an opportunity for the Fiji women's team to play together against someone else in a practice game before the IC17 starts? That's uh, what. That's the plan. We are planning to come in uh, one week before the actual match and have both friendly games with um, men and women. And it hasn't been confirmed with which club or which team. Um, yeah, that's the plan. Uh, one week before the tournament, we would love to get ourselves into a practice match, friendly match. Yeah. We hope uh, that will happen. And, of course, uh, you're just counting down the days now. There's something like uh, only, what, six months to go until uh, you'll be coming out to Australia, as you said. So you'll be here for a week in advance and then through the two weeks. And I think, the, if I'm correct, the fixture's like you'll be playing five games? Yes, five games because they are 11 women's team. Um, yeah, it has increased uh, from the last 2014, so it's quite a competitive. Five games our maximum aim to uh, win right now for the girls. I really try, I'm really trying to build that confidence. Uh, some of these, most of the girls uh, have played international sports with their respective sports in rugby and volleyball and netball. So if they have come together for AFL rules. So um, right now the girls are determined to at least win three out of five of those games. Um, yeah, in IC17. Well, Satiri, thank you very much for joining us online here at Girls Play Footy, and we wish you all the very best in your preparation over the coming months as you prepare for IC17 in August. Thank you very much, Peter, for this opportunity. Satiri Tadrao, the captain of the Fijian women's team, who will be competing at the International Cup in Melbourne, 
from August 5th through to August 19th. It's time to look ahead to round three of the AFL women's competition and I've got on the line former Sydney University Bombers and Morfordville Park Kangaroos footballer Christy Williams and Christy of course is a statistician and a special comments person for us on Girls Play Footy Radio when we cover the VFL women's competition. Christy, thank you very much for joining us to look at round three and what a way to start Blackdown International Sports Park around lunch time on a Saturday afternoon we have got the GWS Giants versus the Fremantle Dockers one team should be walking away with their first win of the season. Really exciting for the Sydney in general but also really exciting for GWS the club. I mean they've got a big they've got a big scalp on the line Michelle Cowan's talked about Kira Phillips being perhaps an inclusion. Uh, Kira Phillips could be probably one of the most talented forwards in the league if she wanted to be so if Kira Phillips comes in, I think that's a huge in the Fremantle. So this is a massive game. And to flip things on its head as well, you've got for Frio that Brianna Green is out injured yeah. and Kim Mickle, it's now being Kim confirmed, Mickle's ACL. Too. And Michelle Cowan talks about the fact that they had a pretty short list as well. Uh, they have a lot of talent. And they, as we all know, they, they lost one of their best players before the comp started, so... That's what the, the competition's all about. It's the reason why it's probably eight teams deep and people might talk about the fact that we want more games, but the talent spread pretty thin at the moment. So when something happens, unfortunately, the talent spread pretty thin. And for GWS coming back, we know Kate Stanton will be back. She was just having the flu. That's why she missed the Carlton game. And Emma Swampson, who I think was hamstring troubles, she'll be back, yeah. and that'll rub salt into the wounds for the West Aussies. You want to back her for most disposals. <laughs> I'm sure, because Emma Swanson will want to be really putting on the show, I think. And given uh, Renee Force obviously out for the season uh, for GWS, uh, I think Emma, Emma Swanson will really want, to, really want to show why she deserves her marquee status. Even though, you know, she's had a rough kind of pre-season, I think she'll really be hoping for a massive game. I think it'll be a lot of possessions for Emma Swanson. Brisbane Lions and Collingwood uh, Saturday afternoon. South Pine Sports Complex at this moment, if they don't move it, because it only has a capacity of 3,000. Who would have thunk it? The Lions up the top and uh, Collingwood sitting winless. Neither of us predicted, that's for sure. So I guess that's what it means. And I, I think I talked about it a little bit. I didn't mean in this respect, but I think when a, when a side, it's so important to have for the players to know their teammates and, and that's what's happening is um, this is something in the Lions and they've probably got one of the one of the best coaches going around in sides of it and he's just a just a fucking coach and he's still so much confidence in playing uh, and you're seeing it right now and but Collingwood but maybe a team of champions but maybe not a champion team at the moment. Indeed, that's a very good uh, way to put it. And uh, Taylor Harris, of course, who starred in that game against Fremantle, was named as a NAB Rising star today. Hi, everyone was just taking out of being named as one, and she's got some very, very stiff competition at the moment. It's really mental and outstanding as well, but Taylor Harris might not get the, the disposal numbers up, but she's a really eye-catching forward who does something really, really well. All the, the real drunk players like really missing and Ebony Maranoff is like the possessions of it <laughs> might not have the influence like Taylor does. Talk about a game of skating on thin ice. Uh, Saturday night, Witten Oval, live on the Seven Network across the country. Absolutely. Western Bulldogs and Melbourne, both one win, Absolutely. one loss. And, and what a massive game for the clubs in general. 
to me, it doesn't matter as a, as a real true fan what, what happens in this league, that the Western Bulldogs and Melbourne, they started all this. So, I mean, this is massive. But particularly for players like Katie Brennan and Daisy, this is what they've been fighting for for, you know, four years now. Maybe on the state, this is huge. Both guys have had, you know, probably expected a couple of easy wins and they've really not had it. So... I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I think it's really exciting to see how it goes, and the fight Melbourne showed was a hell of a lot more than the fight the Western Bulldogs showed. So, who knows? <laughs> well, heading in this game, of course, uh, Melbourne have lost uh, Meg Downey, who, out of all things, it's not concussion that she's missing. It's yeah. a hamstring injury. She actually did and the hamstring a millisecond one. before she got knocked out. Yeah, very bad one. So, unfortunately, I know what it feels like. also uh, missing for Melbourne with an uh, ankle injury. Mm. She's gone for the season. On the Bulldogs yep. side of the equation, Bailey out through suspension. Yep. Hopefully Lambert back from injury. But the big question mark's going to be around uh, uh, Katie Brennan, who was limping through the game against the yep. Crows and was seen with the moon boot on Saturday night when she was doing special comments on 7. She's just massive. Not for her as a player, but she's just an incredible person. She's got an incredible aura. You can't make it up. And for someone like Kirsty Lamb to come back is real handy, but Katie needs to be there, and she knows that. She's just a huge metronome, I guess, like Daisy, to this side, and they need her so badly. Um, but she's not lit it on fire yet, um, but, and it's a shame, because her running ability is one of her best assets, and she can't run still. They need it very badly, but I think if she's going to lift against the team, And that game again at Wit and Oval. That is actually a curtain closer. It is following the men's Bulldogs versus uh, Melbourne uh, preseason game. And if you can get in after three quarter time, it is free entry. Otherwise, if you go to the men's game, you've got to pay the 20 odd bucks or whatever it is to get in. Uh, Sunday, Thibbeton Oval, 11:35 a.m. local time. Adelaide and Carlton, the top two battle. Absolutely massive. And even me and someone very biased with my Adelaide opinion is very surprised. I'm very, very happy to see how well Australian team is doing, but I think Pete, we're all surprised. I think everyone loves the stories of the likes of um, Ebony Marinoff, who's just been an absolute gun the first two games, and Sarah Perkins, the one that everyone overlooked in the Victorian draft, and she's coming out to <laughs> haunt sides. Well, look, Pete, we, we talked about it so much um, during the season. Um, Pete, your, your voice would have said Sarah Perkins a lot. Um, we loved her, her and Sarah Darcy. Um, just a wicked combination uh, for the Eastern Devils in the BFL. And so exciting. But you always did wonder, look, she's really, really exciting, but can she, she can't take the step up. She's not fit enough. But she made herself fit enough. But at the end of the day, someone like Sarah Perkins isn't going to be dominant if her midfield aren't stepping up. And that's what they're doing. So that's why Moana Hope's sitting where she is. And, and Sarah Perkins is now Tex Perkins and one of the, one of the cold forwards of the competition. 
that midfielder doing the job. But I think we're all, as BFL supporters, just really happy to see Sarah Burke and see how she's doing. So she's just a great kid, obviously, and a, and a great player. And that booming left foot ahead of Sarah Darcy, who's been pretty well for calling as well. It's just really exciting for everyone to see. There's, there's nothing more exciting than a really booming left-footed forward, obviously. And just on the Carlton side, of course, we know how Darcy Vessio was great in that first game. A bit quiet in the first half when Ferrugia held a, in that GWS game before kicking two goals. But the one name that, I don't know why it's slipping under the radar, even though she's got 20-plus possessions two games in a row, is Brianna Davy. She's just about dominating every facet of the game. Yeah, well, well Pete, the, the age got on to her today. I think uh, the second page from my paper today is um, Brianna's, something about Brianna Davey being possibly the best player in the comp, something about rivaling Daisy Sears. And so Daisy's um, paralleled as a, an icon in the sport, but when you talk about the influence of the first two rounds, I don't think anyone's had more of an influence than Brianna Davey has. And it's her as a Matilda, as a you know premiership-winning Melbourne City goalkeeper, was the best there is. And she's come to quit and she's done the same thing. She's influenced her side so much. And you can put her forward, you can put her midfield, you can put her back, you can put her rough. She'd do, she'd do the job. And that's very good-esque, I guess, and it's really exciting. Because, I mean, she's a great chicken girl. She's a really good leader, obviously, around the girls. So between her and Erin Phillips, probably the two most influential players in the competition, I'd say, so far. And it's going to be really exciting because Debbie will absolutely get behind the Crows girls and it will be pumping. I was speaking to a Carlton supporter, and of course, Debbie only holds 15,000, so there might be eight or 9,000 Crows fans. But as he said, and he's a Carlton yep. fan who lives in Adelaide, he said Carlton yep. haven't played in any way, shape or form in South Australia for four years. So he says there's Carlton fans champing at the bit to see a Carlton side play. <laughs> Absolutely, and I know a fair few Carlton fans in Adelaide as well. But I think as well, uh, Carlton fans get a bit swept up in the... I guess the news limited coverage and the the Adelaide coverage in general. So I know there's going to be a lot of Carlton fans itching to see their side, but there's a lot of Carlton fans who are just really fans of women's footy in general that just want to get out and cheer. So that's why I think it's going to be really exciting. Debbie is the home of a lot of premierships for for my old side, Um, and it's home to a lot of these girls. And, and I think that's actually a really big advantage, that it's, it's a really big home for a lot of the girls, rather than somewhere like um, Princess Park or something like that. Sebi, a lot of these girls have played at Sebi for a long time. So I think that's a really big advantage. So probably the game of the round. I'm going to get you put your neck on the line with uh, one word tips. So let's go again from the top. GWS versus Fremantle. GWS. Brisbane versus Collingwood. Brisbane. Bulldogs versus Demons. Draw. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting on the fence. And Adelaide versus Carlton. Both. Christy, thank you very much for your tips, and we look forward to catching up with you throughout season 2017 of not only AFLW, but also the VFL women's competition. 
Well, it's time for me to get on out of here. You've been listening to the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, which is available for free via iTunes and SoundCloud. And a reminder again, you can now catch us on the radio. You can catch us Wednesday evenings after 6pm following Taz Racing Talk on RSN Carnival. So if you've got a digital radio and you live in Melbourne, just tune it to RSN Carnival. Otherwise, you can find them on the web. Just search for RSN 927, then click on Digital Radio and the Carnival channel, and you can listen to us around about 6, 6.15 as we have our one-hour radio program. Otherwise, just obviously wait for the podcast to be available on Thursday mornings. And don't forget, while you're online, to check out our Twitter account, Girls Play Footy, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash girlsplayfooty, and all our articles on girlsplayfooty.com. Until next time, it's bye for now.